you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, if you love the first 32 picks, the intrigue and the action that we saw in night one of the NFL draft, how about doubling that up with 74 picks on night two of the 2020 NFL draft rounds two and three are now in the books as we welcome you to the Move the Sticks podcast presented by FedEx. What's going on, everybody? I am Rhett Lewis here with my guys, Bucky Brooks and Lance Zerline joining the late night party here tonight as we put a bow on rounds two and three. Uh, fellas, uh, how did you guys take in uh, what was a pretty fun couple uh, couple of rounds here? And we saw things started to get uh, Bucky a little, little bit more fast and furious as we dropped the time between picks. And uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell just trying to keep up with announcing all these things. He's usually, he's usually done after round one, you know? Yeah, it was a, a, a fascinating night. It was a fascinating night because um, I'm just very, very impressed with the execution of this in the virtual draft. And I know it can be challenging because when you get to day two and really in day three, this is when the 
the the general manager, the directors, they really lean on the area guys. And so I just wonder how the decision makers are kind of taking in all that information that they're supposed to get from uh, some of the lower ranking scouts. But but taking that in while on a really, really short clock and because it's so different than being in the room, um, I'm really, really impressed with the way that everyone has been able to manage the situation and make these picks. And for a lot of teams, they haven't been major surprises. Um, so I'm just kind of surprised at how everything has kind of played out. Yeah, I I think, um, you know, in, in terms of watching it unfold and and. I talked about it on my sports talk radio show. I actually thought it came off really well relative to what's going on. And I think the imperfectness of, if that's a word, the imperfectness of the, the actual broadcast itself, it, it's, it's topical. It's, it's real. It's, it's relative I mean, to what we're dealing with it's right now. Re- Absolutely. And I think watching the commissioner go into full, you know, recline mode, that's real. (laughs) That's who's buttoned up. I'm wearing shorts right now. DJ wore shorts on the broadcast. Things are just it's a different time for right now. We'll get back to the suits and the ties. But I really think the the broadcast and and what it ultimately did was we got the picks through. People had their cameras, uh, the, 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 the different you know, players had cameras, the coaches had cameras, the GMs had cameras. It wasn't always perfect from a broadcast standpoint. Never was it going to be. But I also think that added a little more um, flavor. It added a little more grit. And that's what we're dealing with anyway. And I think that you have to have the grit for what you're going through right now. And I, I just thought it all really just came together and made a lot of sense. I was happy with it. Uh, we still have another day to go, but I, I thought it was – you know, I, I really I like what I've seen so far. Yeah, and I know I can I can speak for for probably all of us here uh, as fathers in the room. How cool was it to see the hugs all night long, both both tonight and last night as well? You know, I think it, it humanizes these guys that were often too quick to criticize, and and you know these GMs and these coaches who are getting to draft from their homes with their families present. Um, an opportunity to celebrate with them in a time where they've spent more time with their families than they ever have in their entire careers, especially this time. And, and I think this celebration there with the hugs from the family show you just how much goes into each pick and each prospect and the evaluation of it. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that, but man, was that powerful to me just to, to see so much of that. Um, and of, of course, there were the moments of levity, too, you know, with Belichick's dog and, and, and the dogs that appeared all night and whatever the heck was going on in, in Vrabel's draft room. I mean, that stuff, man, that made it for me. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting thing to, to kind of watch it. Like the human side of all of it has been fantastic. And I do wonder when all of this is done and, and world goes back to whatever normal it will go back to. I do wonder now that we've seen it differently, now that workers have seen kind of like a different work-life balance and we've seen the draft executed like this or whatever, I wonder what kind of impact it will have because it's been refreshing to me to see uh, a more inclusive process where you've seen the families and the kids and everyone kind of around. Um, because I think Bucky, have I, yeah, and a, I don't mean to interrupt you, but, but, but make no mistake that they live and die with these picks just like the GMs and the coaches do. 
you know, those picks start not, they don't work out. And, you know, it's a new city, it's a new school, it's a new home. So, I, again, I just thought that was, that, that part of it was really, really interesting to me. So, um, all right, with that, let's kick off what we saw here tonight on rounds two and three. Um, really fun round uh, round one, and so now we, we kind of had a lot of players with first-round grades maybe that were available here on night two, or players at least that we had expected to hear their name called maybe at the tail end of round one that didn't and were available, and we let it off with T. Higgins, uh, Bucky from uh, Clemson, going to the Cincinnati Bengals uh, with the first pick of night two, but what was your favorite pick here? Uh, you, give me two or three guys that you really loved here in rounds two and three. You know, I'm still a little bit of Lance and Stunley because I know he is deeply entrenched with the Indianapolis Colts based on his relationship with Chris Ballard. But I love what the Indianapolis Colts are doing, particularly on offense. I think the Colts realize that, and we've talked about this, Rhett and Lance, we've talked about you have to build your team to win your division. Well, the team that won a division and the teams that went to the playoffs last year, uh, the Tennessee Titans, they were broad street bullies. They beat up everybody, and they physically mashed people. And I think it was kind of like a... Uh, a, a, a realization of the Indianapolis Colts that for us to win, we have to be able to cram the ball down people's throat. We have to have a, a roster full of tough guys. And so when you go and you get a Michael Pittman as a guy who I think will eventually be their number one receiver in time, tough, physical, does a great job doing the dirty work over the middle. Then you come back and you add a Jonathan Taylor. Um, you have changed kind of the tenor of that offense. And so even though we see the Colts and we heard Frank Wright talk about like we got to be able to run it or whatever, it's still something about seeing the horseshoe where you still envision them being a finesse team where they're not going to play like a finesse team any longer. And these two guys are going to help them uh, kind of change their style. Yeah, I, I had a chance to sit down with uh, Michael Pittman, uh, I guess, a, a week or two ago. I guess a week ago. Time. I, there's no sense of time for me there's anymore. There's no such thing. <laughs> but I was really impressed, and I had a lot of great compliments from people who listened uh, to the interview. That 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 I uh, apparently people listen to this podcast. Oh, that's nice. That's, uh, yeah. that's one of the things I'm finding mm-hmm. out. Is yeah, it seems to be some listeners. More so when DJ's but, not on it. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. But uh, no, we uh, we had a great talk, and you know, I, I talked about having a father who played in the league because obviously it's not always a lock. It's not always a lock sentient. A guy who had a, a dad who played in any league is going to necessarily be that guy. But for someone like Michael Pittman, you can tell that this is what he does. He's a football player. I'm not saying that's all he is, but what I'm saying is it matters to him. Getting better matters to him. He did it last year in the off season. And I asked about if that started with his dad and he said, absolutely. I mean, that's where it started is you see it and then you emulate it. And then, you know, I was also impressed with the fact that I asked him about Juju Smith-Schuster because I knew they, they probably overlapped by a year. And he said that was a guy he emulated. That's who he wanted to play like. And when you see his game, you can see some of that. You can see some similarities, especially when they get down the field and their ability to go win the ball when it's up in the air. You absolutely see some of that. So I'm with you. That was a pick I really liked. I also really – I love DeAndre Swift. And I know this is an easy one. This is – low-hanging fruit, but Detroit is a team that really has just not been a running team since Barry Sanders. We know that. They've got a long history of that. And this is a guy with the low odometer, low mileage on the odometer. He can play all three downs. And I just think that DeAndre Swift 
sees the field so well that he sets up. He was the best, and I thought he was the best in this draft at running back. And in number two, the best at setting up tacklers in the open field because you never, he didn't have any tells at the poker table. You didn't know when he was going to snap a foot in the ground and then bang, snap you off there uh, on the, you know, and, and cut across your face. And so I think he's really going to add a new element to Detroit, whether it's with Matt Patricia long term. Or whether it's not, we'll find out. Another pick that I really liked um, out of the second round was Daryl Taylor to Seattle because this is a Seattle pick. I knew this is who they liked. I uh. knew it, knew it, knew it. Because when you watch it, you know how it is, Bucky. There's certain teams, like you know, there's certain th- Patriots like the big Hulk smash linebackers like a Landon Roberts, and they'll probably draft Marcus Bailey tomorrow. <laughs> I, you, Jason Strobridge is going to be on their Anthony board because Jennings he looks tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And but but Seattle has a type too. And Daryl Taylor is that type where he's got that twitchy get off. He's very, very strong. He's got great physical traits. And when I watched him, I could see some similarities to Frank Clark on tape. Only I thought he had five star traits and kind of three star skill. And so he's got to get it coached up. But I could see another Frank Clark type of situation, maybe not to the same degree, but I liked the way they maneuvered around the draft so they could get the guy that they want. And John Schneider's one of the best in the business at that. Guys, those were all great picks. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I'd like to give, I, I guess, you know, these picks were some of my favorites, and they a couple of them came from the same team, and it was the Carolina Panthers. I just I kind of loved what they what they've been building here, starting with Derek Brown last night, but then building on that with Yator Gross Matos um, or Gross Matos, depending on the uh, how you listen to the broadcast, which was kind of <laughs> funny. Um, but the Panthers get uh, Yator Gross Matos there, the defensive end from Penn State. Um, you know, a guy we talked about in the framework of a first round conversation at some point, and then they backed that up um, by coming all the way back into the the last pick of the second round and getting a really fun player, big physical safety slash kind of hybrid guy and Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois, who, of course, we saw at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, I thought that was uh, they did. Those are some of my favorite picks. Um, I, I really liked, uh, let's see, I like Denzel Mims going to the Jets. Uh, they needed a playmaker there in New York. Uh, Van Jefferson to the Rams. I think the Rams kind of sneakily had a, had a really good draft here after not having a first-round pick with Cam Akers, um, the, the running back from Florida State, and then also uh, with Van Jefferson, um, a guy who I think DJ comped Van to Cooper Cup, right? I think he that did. was his he pro has, comp for him. He has made that comparison. He, comp. called, he called Van Jefferson uh, – he reminded him a lot of Cooper Cup, and so uh, Good route you because he's a route runner. Um, yeah. I want to go back to your your Panthers comment and Jeremy Chin. Last night, people gave them a hard time because they bypassed Isaiah Simmons and they took Derrick Brown. And we've had this conversation on something, be it Path to the Draft or Red. You and I have had this conversation on the podcast where some people viewed Jeremy Chin as the poor man's version of Isaiah Simmons, and so to be able to get your big inside guy to get your pass rusher and your two gross models, and then to come back and get a version, a, a cousin, a kindred spirit of Isaiah Simmons, someone who has linebacker size but is a safety with cornerback skill. I mean, I think that's a, a I mean, I think it's a remarkable way of putting it together. And Matt Rule, I know it's his first time in the league, but man, he has really done a really good job of rebuilding this defense. 
That's what's crazy, Buck. So he had one year with the Giants, and <laughs> I'll tell you a little story. I went up to, I went up to go speak to him and his staff. We were, we were, me and a buddy of mine who was with uh, Tampa at the time, director of analytics. We we took a trip up there, and I thought we were going to tell them about some stuff we were doing, and, and I came away like. Wow, I'm not even <laughs> that rules on a he's on a different level. I, I was I was blown away. And he's a height, weight, speed traits guy. He he had standards at Baylor, his physical standards the same way, Bucky, you're familiar in scouting. He all of that. They were basically evaluating talent with an NFL type of mindset. And so I knew that when he got to the NFL, um, I, I was incredibly impressed watching him at Baylor, what he's been able to do at Baylor. His demeanor is really, really impressive. And I know this is about the draft, but it starts at the top. And it starts with the with the power structure. And right now, for example, I think the Texan structure is no it's not good. I'm very concerned as someone who lives here and does sports radio here. I'm not concerned I'm very concerned with that structure. Then you see the poise of a Matt of 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 a Matt Rule and a guy who has a very and they both believe, both organizations in height, weight, speed traits, all that stuff. But rule, you see it with Jeremy Chin. You see it with Gross Matos. Derek Brown was just, you know, you just make that pick. There's there's no doubt about that. But he knows what he's doing, and he knows what he wants. And I think they're going to really be successful, provided they get the quarterback right at some point. Uh, you know what? And Lance, you brought up the Texans. Um, I do want to get into that just real quick. Because, I, I, you know, I thought on the surface those picks – kind of made sense to me for Houston with Ross Blacklock and with Jonathan Greenard in the third round and obviously with limited resources uh, after trading away the first round picks and a couple of seconds to kind of make everything work with the with the trades that Bill O'Brien has been making here. How did you feel like they ended up uh, with this haul? I'm glad you asked me that because every day it's like a new nightmare on the radio show. <laughs> every day is like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> But I mean, it's it's been unbelievable. Brandon Cooks for what? He's got four concussions in two years. Oh, how I, much for Cobb? I don't mind it. What did they no, get for? Yeah, no, I know. But you know what? I thought Bill O'Brien did a great job with the draft last year, along with Brian Gain, and I, I like what he did here. I mean, I'm 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 fair. I am fair. If I don't like it, I don't like it. I'm honest. But I thought Ross Ross Black uh, Ross Blacklock was a good pick. He's a where's he gonna play in their de- where's he gonna play in their defense though? Like yeah, so they play defense. A, yeah, so so they they play a lot more even fronts. They okay. play a lot. They're okay. in ba- they're in they're in nickel about sixty percent of the time. Okay, because so cause they're I was like man, yeah. he's not a three four defensive Knows. man. Like where where are they gonna put him out? I, I, no. I couldn't figure out no. where he was gonna play. All right. He'll be he'll play like an under spot. I mean, he's they, they play a lot of even uh, fronts. And then Anthony Weaver's taking over. So we'll see if things change with Anthony Weaver. I know that there are people um, around that organization that are very, very excited about him getting this opportunity. But Blacklock, they need some rush. And he can that's the one thing he can do now is he can get you some rush. He's very tough to deal with because he's got a crazy ridiculous lateral slide where he can go two gaps over. He can like he can go from this he can go from one B gap all the way to your opposite A gap. I mean, he's doing some basketball stuff with his feet, Bucky. So I I like that. And Greenard, I like Greenard. I think Greenard's solid. It's the kind of guy you get the back end of the third. But um I 
from a fit standpoint, Bucky, I'm not uh, I'm not as worried because they just got to get some talent up front because I'm not sure how long J.J. Watt is going to be playing. I mean, he's not going to play forever, and that cap number's getting a little bit high for missing 32 games the last four years. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'll just uh, just run through a couple other picks that uh, that made sense to me. The Patriots trading back into the bottom of the second, going to get Josh Uche from Michigan. Now they got a couple of Michigan men uh, there with uh, Chase Winovich last year. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I thought Zach Bond going to the Saints at 74 after we talked about him in the bottom of the first, potentially. I know the, the diluted test, you know, probably had something to do with it there. But man, that, that felt like a, a good spot you know, for the Saints to go up and get him. I also thought it was interesting they came back into the bottom of the third to get the tight end, Adam Troutman, from Dayton, um, a guy I could have seen going ahead of Asiasi or of Dalton Keene, uh, who ended up going in front of Troutman there. They come in and get uh, and get Troutman's second-to-last pick of the third round. By the way, the Saints have no picks remaining. They are done. They have nothing left. Hey, let's go. Let's go golfing. Let's go hang out. Like, <laughs> like, like, like what it is? I mean, I know. I got plans on Saturday, guys. We yes. Get out of here. Let's uh, get out, guys, and, then, and get out. Let's be gone. Me- meanwhile, the Minnesota Vikings have 13 picks tomorrow. So uh, that was the team they traded with uh, to get uh, that f- that second to last pick of the third. Anyway, let's get back to some surprising picks because there are plenty of them here, especially when grades differ as much as they, they can here, especially on day two and three. Bucky, any of those picks uh, that kind of had you scratching your head a little bit here, uh, whether it was fit or area in, in range in which they were drafted? Well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. So I'm going to dedicate this one to Nabil, our producer. Please do. Um, A.J. Dillon going to the Green Bay Packers. I think on the surface, it's a bit of a surprise because in Green Bay, we typically don't see these kind of running backs show up and play for the Packers. I mean, I'm I'm going back to my playing days like when – Dorsey Levens Dorsey and Andrew Bennett and those guys. We still didn't have like a banger like A.J. Dillon. And so stylistically, A.J. Dillon doesn't strike um, most of us as a Packer running back. But then when you look at his game and you see that he's a one-cut runner, he's a guy that gets downhill, uh, you see the physicality, the toughness, and then you think about the combine numbers and the explosiveness and those things, and then you try and match him up with the scheme that the Packers want to run, which is a zone-based scheme. They want to kind of put them inside, outside zone and do those things. Um, You can begin to understand it. I think where it gets skewed is, is Matt LaFleur ever going to be able to run the scheme that he wants with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback? Mm. And Mm. I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. They drafted Jordan Love. Oh, I mean, I've already said, like, like Aaron, (laughs) Aaron Rodgers is on notice. Like, Aaron Rodgers is about to get Alex Smith. <laughs> he's about to get he's about to get Alex Smith where they're gonna Don't move him out. Do that to just him. like well, just that's what Kansas City did. They had Pat Mahomes, he served an apprentice, he started game 17, and then before you knew it, in the offseason, he was out. So I mean Red. Yeah. You you yeah. don't you Look, don't pick I get a quarterback it. in the I first round to let him sit there for four years. He, he gets a year or two, and then we're on to the next. He's 36. Yeah. I don't have any problem with them drafting a quarterback in the future here. I really don't. Um, I think, and he's declining. Uh, he's a declining you know, player. Oh, wow. I think, uh, you wow. know what? Uh, he is, though. Like, so, like, it is. he is. The way of these his, it's true. His, his completion percentage has gone down in each of the last three years. He's been injured in two of the past three years. He had a broken collarbone, then he had the MCL thing. He's 36, and... 
for all of the things that the Packers offense was able to do in going to the championship game, they kind of won in spite of their offense as opposed to because of their offense. And I know we kind of give like the romanticized pass to the quarterback and he needs more weapons. But at some point, his play also hasn't been what it is. I'm not saying he's horrible. They need to get rid of him. But I'm saying he's not what he was, and they have to kind of change their style to make sure they win. Plus, Matt LaFleur, I mean, let's face it. He came over from Tennessee. He sees what works for them, and now you got a 250-pound running back. Now, he doesn't run like a battering ram like uh, Derrick Henry Henry does. That's not really AJ. People think that's what they're – they're getting when they first start that's not really what he is or who he is necessarily he is a freaky athletic guy his lean muscle numbers are like 226 like the numbers like a center would have that's he's just ripped he's shredded it's unbelievable but i uh i think at some point what matt lafleur and that and that organization is basically doing is saying we're going to start building the offense we're going to run we're not going to we're not we're, this is not the Aaron Rodgers show anymore. We're we're running the organization the way we need to to get it ready to win in the future. Whether or not you agree with it is another thing, but I respect it. And by the way, I, how do how could you disrespect shout out to Eddie Lacy. They had a banger. Uh, now he'd yeah. like to be a little oh, bit of a whirling dervish. Snacks. He likes to be a little. Oh, oh man! Can't count him. Like snacks. Oh, man, snacks. Was, so he likes like, pie. I like pie, Bucky. There's man, nothing wrong with it. The only reason he had that great, yes, that great, I told you that you didn't know this, but that great rookie season. What yeah. the groundskeepers did is they put honey buns every 15 yards. <laughs> oh, no! Every 15 no! yards, there were honey buns. There were no! honey buns strategically placed throughout the oh, field in Lambeau. And he would go oh, and eat. My. That's why he got the 1,000 yards. And oh, this, after that, they, they didn't put the honey no. buns out there. And before you no. know it, he was out the league. That's uh, what it is. Snacks. We then can't put, put them back out. out there. Guys. Like, then put them back out. <laughs> Guys, you are there. breaking Nabil's heart with Snacks. every word that you're dropping here. By the way, uh, shout out to our um, our intrepid producer, Nabil, who is editing this from his uh, from his bed uh, tonight oh, at uh, just past. Just past, just close Jeez. to 2 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, thankfully, we're here on West Coast time. Um, and Nabil's done a great job for us all draft season here. But he does see the world with cheese-colored glasses and says that Rodgers will win a Super Bowl this year. Sorry, about All right. Sorry, I'm about I don't know. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll see. They, looking, came a, they came a win away from playing in the Super Bowl yeah. this past year. They did year. get an H back today, so I thought that was nice. They did. There you go with uh, DeGuara, right, from Cincinnati? Yeah. Yeah. Like thirty inch arms. <laughs> oh boy, Lance loves no, it's that just one too. they're just measurements. That's all they are. Yeah, I didn't yeah. say put honey buns on the ground for a guy. <laughs> I just went to the tape measure. That's all I did. Lance, what is the? Uh, tape I like the guys. By the way, he's a scrappy um, blocker. But. What are some surprising picks on your docket here tonight? Okay, so I couldn't figure out the 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 one that was surprising to me was KJ Hamler. Um, yeah, and, and I like him. I like. I think he's got a chance to be really a really good player if he can catch the football he's got to be able to catch a football much better than he did but when when you watch the highlights of him running his acceleration is different it he and rugs just look different than everybody else in this entire draft and that's really exciting but i mean he's a slot to me and judy is a slot to me and i understand that you can run you know you you, you can run them both out there i don't have a problem with that but 
I just did they forget that they've got Garrett Bowles at left tackle? Is that like did they just say, "Oh my gosh, we just went through the first two days and totally forgot to get a tackle." I thought a tackle was a lock. I, I thought a tackle on day one or or two, somewhere in there, they were, they had to they had to get somebody to. Now we could also see there's some tackles that might be available coming up, so maybe there's Hello, something else Trent to come. Williams. Yeah, maybe there's something else to come. So I think that may be – so before I get too crazy, as I think out loud here, maybe there is a master plan at work with, with John Elway because, honestly, I thought they had to find a tackle, and they didn't. They they added another wide receiver, and they kept getting players that weren't tackles. So I thought that was a little <laughs> so, that was a little surprising after I watched some Denver football last year. I want to come back to you for another surprise here in just a second, but I just want to recap for the folks uh, keeping track at home here on the offensive skill positions now for the Denver Broncos, who will trot out Cortland Sutton, a pro bowler in his second season. Deshaun Hamilton, uh, who has shown some flashes uh, and was drafted the uh, same year there is Cortland Sutton, right? Route uh, runner. State, route runner, smooth dude there. And then this year, they come back and get Jerry Judy. With their next pick, they come back and get K.J. Hamler. Let's not forget that just last year, they drafted Noah Fant in the first round. I mean, you got five players, two years of less experience that are going to be your main rotation here with a second-year quarterback coming in and Drew Locke. I, to me, it sounds like John Elway is desperate to not miss on a quarterback again and, and just want to make sure that Drew Locke has absolutely no reason not to succeed here except for the fact of the, the left tackle situation that you might have mentioned there, Lance. Yeah, but that, that, that's why they're always bootlegging play action away and, and all that and other Melvin stuff. And Melvin Gordon, they're, they're, right? They're, yeah, they'll make sure that they have – all this stuff lined up. I, I kind of like the uh, K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy con- connection, combination when you, when you pair it up with uh, Cortland Sutton. Uh, they have a young core that's going to grow together. They have a playmaker and route runner and Jerry Judy. You then have the explosive stretch guy and K.J. Hamler. And then what you have in uh, Cortland Sutton is the big body guy. Um, you have Noah Fant who is there to be the tight end. I mean, they, they put some weapons around you lock. I understand the concern about left tackle, but you're right. Trent Williams is out there. Maybe just maybe they're able to kind of give up something to uh, solidify that, that, that blind side. So Lance, any other picks that uh, jumped out to you here? Surprises. So I was a little surprised at, so I remember back in, I think it was 2018 when John Gruden and Reggie um, McKenzie were together and, it was it just it was a disjointed draft. They had Nick Nelson who was coming off of a knee injury that they like forty eight passes defense and zero interceptions. It was something crazy <laughs> like that. And then they had Maurice Hurst that they picked in the fifth round who had um, an issue a, a heart Medical condition issue, that yeah. there was concern about. There was just it was an unusual. There was a lot of chance taking in that key. draft. And Arden Key, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Arden Key, who had issues with, uh, with a lot of different issues at LSU. Uh, there's a lot of things I like about the potential of the Miami Dolphins draft, but I got to tell you, it is a little unusual to look at all these names. Here, the first pick, Tua. We know about the injury stuff, and he's pr- probably clean bill of health if they took him. But you know, there, there are still some concerns about his durability. Austin Jackson, right now, he is a little bit of. Um, a developmental prospect. He needs to get stronger. He needs more core, physical core strength and functional strength. It's just something he needs. Noah uh, Igbenagany. Igbenagany. There it is. He is. There it is. Noah Igbenagany. So he is a guy who is a grab and and 
grab and, and panic type of player down the field. Now, he's got a lot of traits. He's got a lot of potential, but he's not there yet. So now you got two guys in a row in the first round who right now are in developmental mode. Robert Hunt coming off of an injury. Raekwon Davis, loads of talent, but hasn't really shown up the last two years like he's capable of playing. And so I just I see a lot of upside. I mean, these are guys with really high upsides, but a little lower floors. And so for all those picks, I think – this could either be a boom or bust draft because there's a lot of talent here, but there's some floor issues with this draft um, for so many of these picks that I see, which is a little bit unusual, I think, to have Jackson and Igbenogany back to back, who you know these guys need some work. They're not going to be ready yet. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting to kind of see how everyone is, is, is going about their process. And the Dolphins have certainly rolled the dice a little bit with some of their picks and they're trying to hope that some of those guys hit and other guys are taking up, I would say like a more conservative slant. I I think when I look at the Buffalo Bills pick of AJ Epinesa, I mean, I could have seen that coming uh, a mile away. (laughs) Like he kind of fits the profile. He's a blue collar player. Uh, The way he goes about his business with little to no fanfare, uh, it kind of works in that locker room. Uh, I think the one thing that we haven't talked about, we talked about it on the show that we taped previously, but we haven't had the conversation about Jalen Hurts going to the Philadelphia Eagles and what the Philadelphia Eagles are doing. That was a surprise. Uh, that was certainly a surprise. And the fact that they took Jalen Hurts in the second round has to be surprising when you have Carson Wentz there, you had the big contract and all those other things. But I thought it was very, very telling with Howie Roseman talking about we we are a quarterback factory. We believe that we can develop and spit out quarterbacks and those things and he was too good for us to pass up at that point of the draft and so I do wonder what the short and long-term plan is when it comes to Jalen Hurst I know you want to develop him but what if he his development exceeds what your initial expectations are then what yeah well you'd rather you'd rather have that like you'd rather have a guy exceed them rather than not I I looked at this and I didn't see Look, I love his ability to run the football. I think that is something that is very, very important. And when you you made a you made a great point on the broadcast, Bucky, that when you look at the either your money said it, when you look at the quarterbacks that were taken, every one of them, every single one of them, Joe Burrow, uh, J- Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, everybody can escape. They can all escape, or they can run, or they can extend. It's all about mobility. And here's the the fifth quarterback ended up being Hurts who has mobility. The two guys who are more pocket sloths uh, in um, Jake Fromm and and obviously most notably Eason, Jacob Eason, that, that's just not – that's just not playing in the NFL right now. And and I love the intelligence of Fromm, the arm talent of Eason. But if you're not mobile in this day and age, it's it's really tough for uh it's really tough for for offensive coordinators to to be able to do everything that they need to do to be unpredictable. And w- with I don't really I look at look, I don't think Jalen Hurts is an NFL starting caliber quarterback right now. And I think when he becomes a starter, it might be an average to below average starter. That's how I have him projected and graded. But what I do know is I I like everything about his makeup. And Carson Wentz has hurt a lot. Carson Wentz was hurt in high school. Carson Wentz was hurt in college. Carson Wentz has been hurt in the pros. 
I think they said, this is a backup quarterback for us. We're not trying to taste some hill anything. We know that we can do direct snap stuff, zone read things. We know we can create packages. Yeah, yeah. But I think they're saying we got to get, man, we got to get a quarterback that we trust and that we like. Yeah, because I don't think Jalen Hurst is Taysom Hill. Like he's not. Like in watching he's not a short area. Yeah, hold on, like, hold on. He he doesn't have to be Taysom Hill in terms of the actual player. But is isn't there a way where the Eagles can at least find a way to use him before they feel like he has to be the quarterback? I no? mean, a little bit, but it'd be so contrived. Like when he runs on the field, like everyone on defense is saying, "Okay, here comes his own read." Um, yeah, but that's what they do with Taysom things. Hill too. I, I think the thing with Taysom Hill, I, I think Taysom Hill was. One, when he was at BYU, he was dynamic. He was hurt all the time. He was hurt every year. But he was pretty dynamic. And I remember the game against Texas where he shredded Texas as a dual threat quarterback. Was, he I had mean, some legit then, tape. Like, I mean, he was he was a physical runner. I just he wrote throw. him off because of the knees. Yeah. I just wrote him off like three knees. And what am I doing right in this the, guy? The difference is like Taysom Hill could stay on the field and line up at fullback. He could line up at H-back. They would put him outside. Yeah, you won't Jalen do Hurst that with Jalen. Yeah, Jalen Hurst is athletic, but he's not that kind of athlete. And so people have kind of put that on him. I don't know if he's built like that. So this, to me, is a true developmental quarterback prospect, and, and, and we're just going to see how it plays out. You know, which obviously – you... go, go ahead, Lance. Well, do you, think, do you guys think they're drafting the person and they're going to figure out the player? Because that's what it feels like. They know they got something – but let's just see what we got because we know we love the person in the locker room and everything, and we know he's going to work, and we know he's going to well, have the right a, attitude. He's, he's, he's the coach's dream in that regard because, you know, you bring him in, he's going to say all the right things. He's not going to uh, make yeah, waves. Yeah, he can he's, handle he's gonna this. Play, he's going to yeah. play his role. He, he Look, he showed he could play it in a major way when he got benched in the championship game but still was supportive of Tua and those things. And so that plays well in the locker room it plays well, in the coaches' meeting rooms, and those things. But in figuring out the player and what you do with the player after you develop him, I think that is a little more challenging. And, I mean, like, who, who knows, man? Like, we've talked about Carson and his injuries. Uh, the odds suggest that at some point Jalen or Nate or one of those guys are going to have to get on the field and play quarterback for the Eagles this year. Yeah, you know, I think uh, they're just obviously pumping Nate Sudfeld up for a big time trade. You know, here coming up, somebody <laughs> trying to get him right, for, trying, for to, real trying, franchise trying to get him, trying to get him ready, trying to get him ready, trying to get him right. And if he he shows up for like three or four games, if there's a preseason, he he kind of like has one of those awesome exactly. preseason performances. He he can go. Um, Look, guys, a couple other things that just kind of uh, stuck out to me as surprises. Uh, Josh Jones falling all the way to the third round. Yeah, uh, like I, I can't figure out what that was about. Like, I mean, obviously this is a different time because without pro days and those things, like we haven't been tipped off on some things that we would find out like sooner rather than later. And the fact that this is a guy that we talked about being a fringe first-round pick, he goes in the third round. That was surprising. That was one yeah. of the bigger surprises. No, so no I, doubt. Go ahead, I'll, I'll tell you why I think. I'll tell you why I think what might have happened. Josh Jones played, I believe, a little under 300 pounds when he was uh, uh, at University of Houston. He had four different offensive line coaches, four years. But then his workout was was very, very average. He came in at 319 pounds. Oh, so too big. Yeah, I think too big. I didn't think he moved well. 
on tape, he was very athletic at the combine. He didn't move the same Mm-mm. is what I saw on tape. So I think he got too heavy. He didn't move as well. His his workout numbers were, were, were just kind of average. There was nothing that really stood out about it. And so now all of a sudden you had this athlete on tape that you don't see this. You, he was just average at the at the workout. I think that may have hurt him some also. I don't know if there was anything else. If I if I did, I would say what I could, but I, I don't know of anything but, else. I but thought, here's where it could have hurt him, Lance. Like yeah. uh the last couple of years we haven't seen as many coaches venture down to the senior ball. So the first time the coaches may have had exposure to Jones might have been the combine. The combine. And he was good at senior ball. Right. He so was the, good. So right. the three hundred and nineteen yeah. pound guy that didn't move well at the combine that first impression sometimes is hard to get out of your mind, particularly when guys are looking at tape. Whereas if they had watched him at the Senior Bowl or been around him at the Senior Bowl first, point. then it changes how you view him uh, in games and, and how you potentially view him coming into your room. Guys, I want to get to some of the notable storylines here that we saw develop through rounds two and three and uh, get into that uh, here in just a second. Um, but can I give you maybe the, the most non-surprising pick of the night? Mm-hmm. Anybody have any guesses? The most non-surprising right. for me it was Devin Asiasi going to. Uh, oh, all right, I the like Patriots. That. I like that. <laughs> Every, when I started watching it, it took me like seven plays. I'm like, this looks like a yep. Patriot. There you go. <laughs> uh, Big, athletic. You know, I'm going to give you at pick number 100. Mike Mayock selects. Clemson's Tanner Muse, the safety oh. who blew up the combine with a four four one forty oh, and two hundred thirty pounds. Come on, you knew it was happening, didn't you? Come gosh. on, man, fell fell right into it. And so he ran four four one. He was everything. Like he he lit it up. He was the decathlete of the weekend yes. at the combine. And then, um, but man, the third round, third round is normally not. <laughs> I had take. him like five six. <laughs> oh, I, I saw your profile. It's, yeah. it's normally not when yeah. when you, you do that, but it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, well, you think he's getting early. Matt? You think he thinks he has Matt Milano? Is that what he's thinking? Some he of has? that. Now, some of that has always been the Raider way. The Raiders would always take like big, fast. Fine, if you're big and fast. You can be a drafted yeah. exceptional uh, qualities. Guy. So, yeah. and yeah. he's a good guy. But you're right, man. They're they're loaded with Alabama and Clemson guys. That's right. Uh, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of former teammates on that squad. A lot of teammates. The, the chemistry and the continuity is going to be great because they're all our buddies from high school. That's that's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. true. The whole team. Uh, you know, he was ticked off when AJ Terrell went before he could get him. Yeah. yeah how about that? Right. Like how, right. how? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. I'm sure he he wanted to add him to the mix too. No doubt. Um, I just thought, thought that was fun. Um, okay. So. Some notable storylines here, and I want to start with one that was kind of a little bit under the radar coming into the night here, guys. Um, and it was in the second round, we started to hear some rumblings of the Trent Williams deal perhaps coming to fruition with Washington maybe engaging the Minnesota Vikings in trade talks here. Again, the Vikings, uh, Riley Reef uh, left tackle. Um but you know, is this an is this an area where they would have tried to bring in Trent Williams? Well, it turns out that as they are working their way down the the board here in the second round and coming on the clock at fifty eight overall, they decide, you know what, we're not going to do it. We're going to just take Ezra Cleveland, the offensive tackle from Boise State, um, who ends up being the let's see, that was at the set. Are we counting Robert Hunt as a tackle or a guard? Uh, 
I'm counting him as a guard. I think he's going to have to start off as a guard, okay. and they've got a right tackle right now. There you go. So I, we count Ezra Cleveland as the first tackle on day two in the seventh overall. I just thought that was an interesting storyline here because here come the, the Redskins are just are still saddled with this absolutely disgruntled player who sounds like he has no intentions of ever playing for them again. And, um, and you know, are, are they, are they asking too much? Um, is it just, is it not a situation that teams want to get involved in with him not playing at all last year? Um, and, and so I just, I thought that was, um, Bucky, one of the interesting storylines here because we have not seen an actual player, current NFL player traded at all in these first three rounds. And that's, that's kind of something that we've seen in recent years. Yeah. That's normally what we receive. We receive more activity. Um, this would be when. Uh, guys would kind of dump off their the players that uh, were disgruntled, guys they, they want to move on from after the they the pick. Yep. Yeah, all those other things. And it's been very, very slow um, this year. But maybe maybe all the activity will happen on day three. Um, because now when you make the trade, you can be like, hey, we can give you something in 2021. Uh, we can't give you one of our top picks this year. And maybe teams will be more likely to accept that. Uh, it's just been a it's, it's been an interesting thing. We have seen some trades, but certainly not as much movement as we are accustomed seeing over a draft weekend. Nah, and I, two, th- these two guys we're talking about in Gakway and, and Williams, it, they've also hurt their team in terms of leverage to get a deal done. So uh, potentially, you don't know for sure, but potentially, and so you got to be able to. If you're a team who's asking for for whatever, and another team smells blood because they know that 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 player's disgruntled on Twitter, and they think, well, we've got all the leverage. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars don't have the leverage. We're not paying paying what they're you know what they're asking for for Ngakwe. It can make it a little bit more difficult. The Trent Williams situation, there's no secrets there. We know what the deal is on that one. I think they've got to move on from Williams. They got to get some. Yeah. They got to get some another, equity right? from for Williams. So yeah, one way or another, it's gone on long enough. They've got to move him and get him. And it, at some point after drafting Chase on, the, the Jaguars are probably going to have to get Ngakwe out of the building and let him go play somewhere else. But um, you know, as far as as far as any other the, any other storylines that that stick out to you that well, developed at all, you know, I. It's hard for me because I look at it as the way I look at it is I want to see how the flow of a draft works. So the flow of the draft, I like looking. This was I knew it was going to be probably tackles, maybe quarterbacks, and it actually tackles fell back a little bit. And then guys are drafting best defensive players available. I thought there was a big rush to 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 pick corners that maybe didn't belong in the first round, and then you get a different flow, which included. We're not we're not going to get the pocket quarterbacks, and so we talked about that from and East, and that was one of the that's the a flows huge storyline as well. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, when I when I wrote the guys up, I, I do radio shows, and and Bucky, you probably were asked this question too. Okay, so outside of the big four, give me another quarterback that you think is a, a real sneaky good starter. That's I said that's it's not there. It doesn't exist in this draft. I can give you an answer if you want to play the game where we do, okay, tell me a late-round guy that you can develop. I'm like, I don't know, James Morgan, Jake Luton. I mean, it's this is a four-quarterback draft for the most part, I, I think, if you're talking yeah, about that's it. guys who have a chance to be dudes. Yeah, that was it. Because everyone is looking for the next Garner Minshew or something like that, and I would say that's an anomaly. Like, the way that he was able to go in there and not only make the team but – supplant Nick Foles as the starting quarterback. That's 
that doesn't come around often. And I actually thought that the, the Jacksonville quarterbacks, and they have shown little to no interest in finding a quarterback. Well, but they got three picks in the fourth, Bucky. That's what I was going to ask you next. Do you guys think that they say they're not going to, but once you get to the fourth round, this is backup territory. Are are we sure they're not going to take a look at Fromm or Eason in the fourth I mean, with would, three picks would, in the fourth? Would be the, pick number 140? The like their quarterback is in 2021. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Field, yeah, one of those it's, guys. It's, like why, why even that's a good add point. another guy to the room when you know Garner Minshew is going to be a guy and you can get maybe a cheap uh, backup option for him? Uh, I just – well, the price has fallen considerably on Cam Newton and Jameis Winston at this point. Well, right? well yeah, so, because like well, now, I mean, the musical chairs, I, even in trying to slot those quarterbacks, the only place for Cam Newton in my mind is New England. And for Jameis, Jameis has a tougher road to hoe um, in terms of the backup quarterback job because where, I mean, where can he go? Like, he can't go to Green Bay anymore. Like, I thought would be a, a – Jacksonville. I mean, uh, you, you know, know like so, gosh. Yeah, it's tough. So that is a storyline to follow as we enter day three. You know, guys, is uh, where does Jacob Eason end up? Where does Jake Fromm end up? And what kind of situation do they end up in? Um, I think is uh, even more interesting here. I was with a couple of guys on the radio that were a bit more surprised than the two of you tonight uh, to see those names still out there. Oh, really? They were really surprised about the Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really were. Um, Brock Heward among them. Um, um, yeah, and yeah, that's uh, right in Brock's sweet spot. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, uh, and, and, and they gave some good reasons, you know. So anyway, um, you know, another storyline uh, tonight were the running backs. And uh, as we mentioned, our guy Daniel Jeremiah has been doing a great job on the uh, joint broadcast uh, with ESPN and NFL Network. It was uh, on that broadcast again tonight when – Young man from his alma mater got selected. Appalachian State's Darrington Evans now headed to the Tennessee Titans. And here was DJ's reaction. Well, now the draft has officially started, Trey, because we have an App State Mountaineer that is off the board. And Darrington Evans, it's going to be fun to watch him pair up with Derrick Henry because if Derrick Henry's Mr. Power, this is Mr. Speed. Lewis has used the term that one-cut runner, and that's this kid. When he gets his foot in the ground and gets north and south, you are not going to catch him. That 4-4-1 speed shows up in a big way. He also has the ability to help out in the return game, the Penn State game, that great game between App State and Penn State a couple years ago. He took a kickoff back for a touchdown in that one. So big-time, big-time top juice. And, boys, it's the best fight song that's out there. So let's not let's not uh, give the people what they want here. No, no, hi, no, hi, no, hike us. No, no, Nobody no. like us. No, no, no. We're hold the on. Mountaineers, Mountaineers, Mountaineers. Always a winning, Trey. We're always a grinning, always a feeling fine. Hey. So I, I don't know if we should try to embarrass DJ for not singing the fight song or if we should thank him for not subjecting us to that. But I'm glad <laughs> he still knows the lyrics at the very least. Uh, so Darrington Evans, uh, the the only App State Mountaineer to come off the board here in the first three rounds. I just want to make sure I can get a, a slight subtle dig at him. Um, anyway, I, Darrington Evans, a running back going out of the Titans. Lance, how, how do you like that fit? I like it. I like it fine. I don't worry about it. I don't, I don't care about having uh, duplication as I don't need A.J. Dillon to be the backup to <laughs> Derrick Henry. I mean, 
you can do it if you want to, but why not give a team something they haven't seen the entire game? When when Derrick Henry comes out, they're going to see a completely different look, and they're going to have to change change up. It's like it's like seeing you know fastballs, or it's like seeing a a changeup pitch or a curveball pitcher, and all of a sudden you got gas coming in out of the bullpen. It's tough to adjust to that, and I think that could be something that really works in the Titans' favor is, is have a completely different style of back come in as a change of pace. We call it change of pace. Get he a change de- he of definitely pace. changes the the energy in the stadium when he runs onto the field. Uh, I wonder, because they weren't able to do that with Deion Lewis, so how they're going to be able to fit it in with Evans. He is a talented player, man. He's a jitterbug in the open field. He has the, the juice and, and all of that other stuff. It'll be interesting how Tennessee tries to play this out. And also... Do they try to preserve Derrick Henry a little more heading down the stretch so he is ready to kind of like impose his will those last uh, handful of games and going into the postseason like we saw him do it this year? Well, if you do, it's not going to be with a guy like Evans. Like You're going to have to – whoever your second back is is going to have to be the guy that takes those heavy carries to take some of the load off – the workload off of him because – Evans, to me, is never going to be a number one. Like, that's not how he's built. That's not the kind of back he is. But, um, man, Tennessee's building a little bit of a bully over there, too. Oh, for they, sure. They've, they've, they're on to something. They are on to something. Mike Vrabel, we talked about Matt Rule. I got a lot of respect for Mike Vrabel, too. I think Mike Vrabel, he's the one guy that's gone from the Patriot way. And I guess Bill O'Brien has had some success. Obviously, he's won some divisions, but I, I feel like Vrabel's on it, and he's not a coaching yeah. tree. That's a player. Yeah, that's a player he, who coaches now. Yeah, and and, and I think uh, that that pick of Christian Fulton towards the bottom of the second round was a nice one for that team uh, that lost Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler's been banged up, and uh, they go ahead and try to uh, you know get another uh, defensive back in there uh, to help uh, with that team and in that division. Uh, last uh, storyline, you know, I mentioned, uh, had some fun with uh, the Raiders selection of Tanner Muse, but before that, man, they went back to back receiver there with Lynn Bowden, um, who's, who's done, you know, has been a versatile weapon for Kentucky and then backed it right up with Brian Edwards from South Carolina to go along with Henry Ruggs in the first round. I mean, you know, we want to give the, the Broncos a little guff for going heavy on the receivers. I mean, here we go. The Raiders are trying to remake. Well, really, that they receiver. said that Lynn Bowden was a running back. I don't know if you noticed, like how he was announced. He was announced. I he was announced. You know, I didn't hear. He was it announced, announced as a running back, it? and so maybe maybe John Gruden is trying to be wow. a little slickster by putting him at running back. But when he runs onto the field, everyone is going to know that he's coming out of the backfield. He's going to get the ball in some kind of way. I think what's interesting is I studied Brian Edwards hard last week, and I was really impressed with the ball skills. Um, his ability to win the 50-50 balls, the acrobatic catches, um, some of the toughness that he displayed on those end-breaking routes, those things work. And with John Gruden wanting to kind of utilize a, a pure West Coast system with Ruggs being the vertical stretch guy and maybe Edwards on the outside being the guy that can run some of the tough end-breaking routes and Tyrell Williams and some of the other receivers that they have in the core, it'd be interesting. The, the one thing that has been constant, which has been a surprise based on all the buzz that we've heard. Derek Carr is still the starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. And, I mean, we've heard everybody and their mom associated with the Raiders, and he's going to be traded and get him out of there. But as we stand right now, heading into day three of the draft, Derek Carr is their quarterback. And unless he falters somehow and cracks the, leaves the door crack for Marcus Mariota to overtake him, 
the Raiders going to upgrade all these players, but they're going to have the same trigger man. Yeah, they. <laughs> I like Brian Edwards a lot. I like him a lot. I think he's really tough, great size, can run. He's a second round talent who fell because of the uh, because of the knee injury, but it is like they're they're just taking the broom and they're just sweeping that wide receiver core clean. Just yeah, you got Hunter Renfro. We we're getting all of our Clemson guys in here real quick. Let's yeah, get our Clemson I mean, squad. I mean, they, squad they, up with yeah, Clemson. It's, it's an interesting thing. Shout out to the SEC and and ACC, and that's it. And it's a wrap. And we'll see what happens. They added SEC and Lynn Bowden. Let's not forget about this. We we spent some time talking about what what uh, Jalen Hurts is going to do. Lynn can do a lot of the same. Like Lynn can be a problem because he can roll out to the wide receiver spot. He can get running back carries. He can run mm-hmm. zone re- zone read stuff. Now, um, now, so now, you that's, got a lot of now, stuff. That's, now. The, that's trick, the the gadget player that you want. The gadget player that can come on the field and he can play outside. Yeah. You can put him in the backfield, and all you all of a sudden you look up and he's running zone read and option stuff and, and that stuff. He he's a little different. Um. Yeah, he hard he, to he prepare you, for. He gives you sleepless nights as a defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a fascinating thing to see the team building process. And then I will say this, just for reference, like everyone in in day three and and the way that it's approached right now, it's all about finding the hidden gems. This is when you really throw your darts. This is when uh, guys who have character, guys who have like a medical issue. But if they're really good players, this is when you throw your dart. You throw your dart the fourth round, the fifth round, uh, when they have character concerns. This is when you kind of, kind of swing for the fences on guys that you wouldn't you feel comfortable taking early, but now you feel comfortable now because the, the financial risk is, is less than significant. I'll leave it with this here, guys. Um, before we uh, get out of here, uh, are, are the quarterbacks at all the best players available um, as we get into day three here, round four, uh, as we get back on the clock tomorrow morning, um, depending on what time zone you're in, uh, Lance, or is there another player out there that's uh, that, that kind of sticks out as best uh, in show that's still available? I don't think it's a quarterbacks. No, I don't, I don't think that's going to be it. I'm going through my list right now because I thought there were some pretty good football players at the end, right at the back end of the third. Terrell Burgess, I think he's so nice. Yeah. Um, yeah oh, Harrison me and Buck is tight end. Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant. Yeah, Harrison Bryant. He's still out there. I'm waiting for him to hear his name called. He was the one that I'm that I'm that I'm looking I'm looking for. I'm like, okay, he should go. Bucky, I was told Bucky he was uh he showed up at the combine like two forty two, and then when he had to run, it was like, "Ooh, that's a." Yeah. As you know, they did the second weigh in before the forty, and I got and I said, I asked a team, I said, "Hey, what was his weight second weigh in?" And oh, Ooh, like he lost ten pounds. He dropped it. Yeah, um, that's not going to help. And I think that's uh, one think, of the reasons. I think another two guys to me that stand out that are good football players but haven't been picked. Uh, one, Bradley and I has not been picked from Utah. I thought that he would have an opportunity certainly to be Good in call. the third round. And then Curtis Weaver, um, my buddy has called me, hey, man, what's up with my guy? I was like, man, bad body. The bad body, the bad body's got him. And then there's some people that question in some of those big games. Man, maybe he turned it down a little bit when it came to um, people getting after him a little bit, kind of getting, you know, he shut it down. But the one thing I would say about Curtis Weaver, 30, 34 and a half sacks, um, over multiple years, it's hard to duplicate that production. That production typically translates. I would think Anai and Curtis Weaver, those guys would kind of jump off the board pretty soon. 
and and again, still some good receivers out there. Uh, Tyler Johnson yeah. from Minnesota, James Prochet, Gandy Golden from Liberty. Um, some guys out there. I don't think I don't think Prochet is going to go. There's some medicals there. I hope uh, I'm wrong, but I've heard from a few people that it could. If he doesn't go, it has nothing to do with ability because he's talented. There's a guy that I think has a chance to be really good, Gabriel Davis from UCF. Buck, I don't yeah, know if yeah, you had a chance yeah, yeah, to watch yeah. him much. He did up Paulson Adebo. And I remember watching Gabriel Davis just taking him off the – like two or three times shook him badly. And I think there might be something to this UCF wide receiver. He didn't go in the third, but I think I had him in the third, fourth round category or territory i think he's a guy to keep your eye on as well as uh, amik robertson who i know has gotten a lot of love because give me a meek. yeah i knew i, I wanted to bring him up meek. i mean that guy darnay holmes he's another one there's some concerns about some medicals but either. so Ooh. that's another one darnay holmes who's that yeah yeah darnay Troy holmes Pride. who really yeah. helped himself so, in the post yeah so it, process it, the first look the first 25 or so picks first round we see some good players come off the board well, looking forward to it. Guys, this has been fun these last two nights here, recapping these first three rounds with you. Uh, next Move the Sticks podcast coming back to you on Monday where we recap the entire uh, seven rounds of the draft and look back at the first. Daniel Jeremiah will be back here with us uh, to lead the way on Monday and uh, get this thing uh, in the books uh, for the 2020 NFL Draft. But for now, enjoy uh, the final four rounds, and we will look back. Uh, look forward to seeing you back here on Monday for another edition of Move the Sticks. Thanks so much uh, for listening here, and uh, don't forget to download, subscribe, leave a rating there, and get to some of your questions, which I imagine will be uh, plentiful as you watch your team fill out their draft cards uh this weekend okay guys uh, thanks so much for listening this has been the move the six podcast presented by fedex You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 